1: 2023 coming at you with another edition of Sportsnet today. Here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. It is Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. And a busy Thursday show coming your way. It is a Calgary Stampeders game day. Their final preseason game. Before they kick things off in the regular season next week against the BC Lions. Have a live edition of the Stamps Report with our own Patty Dumas. To kick off hour two. We'll also get the latest from our NHL insider, Frank Cerevalli. He joined uh, Rustic and Rose on the big show a little bit earlier on today. Including an update on the Flames coaching search. As that continues for the Flames. And a couple of introductory press conferences. In the NHL this morning. Former Flames GM Brad Treliving officially introduced in Toronto as the 18th GM of the Maple Leafs. And Kyle Dubas does wind up in Pittsburgh, not as the GM, but as the president of hockey operations. He also spoke to the media today. We will dive into both of those. We'll hear what Brad had to say about his time in Calgary and uh, his plans going forward, obviously, with the... Toronto Maple Leafs uh, coming up in just a few moments here. We'll bring you some highlights from that press conference and to dive into the Penguins side of things in hour two, Taylor Haas going to join us from DK Pittsburgh sports. She covers the Penguins and we'll talk about the Kyle Dubas era beginning for Fenway sports group and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So lots to get to. Thanks for uh, joining along with a live or on the podcast. A reminder. The fan feedback line is always open to you here on Sportsnet today at 960-960. Questions, comments, queries, anything you want uh, to bring to the show, feel free to shoot us a text at 960-960. We're alongside my outstanding production team this afternoon of Cam and Taylor. But let's kick things off today uh, with the news of the day from Toronto. We got the announcement yesterday that Brad Living after his nine-year tenure in Calgary, would be the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs that was made official today. And he was introduced to the Toronto media and answered questions for about 30 minutes. And as you would expect with the media madness that is the Toronto market, there was a lot to get to with the former Flames GM. But as always, Brad um, goes about it in classy ways and uh, had a message for Calgary and some important people. During his Flames tenure to get to before he dove into things with the Maple Leafs and what's next to come for
2: him? Before I go too much further, I, I, I first want to um, make a couple of comments of Calgary. Um, first of all, the city, uh, the fans of Calgary, it was our home for nine years, raised our kids there. Um, it's, a, it's a very special place to us. The people are very special. The city is very special. Um, and it's, it'll always have a, a, a warm place in our heart. Um, I got the pleasure to work for Murray Edwards, the entire Flames Ownership Group. Murray's a, a great owner, has been a great mentor to me. Um, and and John Bean, uh, again, a, a good friend, a great professional mentor. Don Maloney, <clears throat> who's been a close friend of mine in the business for a long time. Uh, they're in great hands there. And I wish Connie um, all the success in the world as he, as he takes over the manager job. Most importantly, the players and staff. Um, I get close... To the people I work with, I, I I believe that you don't manage these days. Some some do, some may. Um, you don't manage from an office up in the in, in 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 the building. You manage you manage with the people. You're shoulder to shoulder with the people, and um, the group there, the players, uh, the staff, are are I'm close with to this day, and and will be for the rest of our lives. So to them, good luck. I wish them all the very best, except for a couple of games a year.
1: The allegiances have no doubt switched for Brad Treliving as he sends a final thank you to many in Calgary during his nine-year tenure, but it also uh, in turn brings him in Toronto back with a couple of familiar faces that he knows well with the Maple Leafs, including the likes of TJ Brody and Mark Giordano.
2: Hey, Brad, Lance from the Toronto Sun. Um, Um, Can you talk a little bit about uh, your relationship with uh, Gio and Brody and, and what kind of a resource they might be for you as you come in? Yeah, it's good. It's good to see those guys. Geo, it's good to see him still playing at 75. Uh, not a lot of guys do. And uh, um, yeah, I was with them a long time. They're good. They're good men. They're good players. They're good people. They've got good families. So um, you know, I, I was I was been texting a little bit with Geo, and and uh, uh, it'll it'll be good to connect with them. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I don't. You know, there's a few people here. Luke Shen, I know a little bit, right? We've got a little, a little bit of a relationship with. So, getting to know the players—that's the, that's the important thing to me. I like I said, it, it, this is not—you don't manage from, from an office anymore. You, 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 you know, you, you, you got to get to know them. You got to, you got to know what drives them. Um, but those are, those are two good men there. Uh, Steven
1: can- Taylor said that. That's cold. Giving it to Gio. Come on, man. That's the ageless wonder, Mark Jordano. We can't be can't be taking shots at Gio. I mean, I guess you can. He knows. Gio is Gio is old in Calgary. Just gotta imagine he's feeling it in Toronto after uh getting to the second round. So a couple familiar faces uh for Tree in Toronto, but uh as you would imagine, there were uh, still talks about the trades that Happened for Tree in his tenure in Calgary and most notably the Matthew Kachuk trade. And uh, we'll also get Tree's thoughts here on Austin Matthews, the contracts coming up for the Maple Leafs, including Sheldon Keith. But uh, as you would imagine, in case you missed it earlier, Brad Living asked by the Toronto market about the Matthew Kachuk trade and, you know, how it's impacted him as a GM and would impact him going forward. And here's what Tree had to say on that uh, during his introductory press conference today.
2: Well, Chucky, who I'm very close to, he's like a son to me. He, he reminds me all the time that, you know, his success always gets my name brought up, right? So he, he says, you're welcome. Um, it was unique. Every, every situation, every team, every year has got unique circumstances, you know? Um, <clears throat> Matthew, as I said, came to us. And I'm not, I'm not going to go blow by blow on it, Kevin, uh, but he came to us last year which I was appreciative of. Um, I'll never fault the player, but said, you know, I'm. Uh, it's time for me to move. I'm not looking to, to, to sign long-term here. So you go into the market. Now, there were some challenges, no question. Um, you know, you're playing with a, felt like a two and a three um, in your hand, and, and the, everybody else has got a pair of aces. So we worked hard. We made an organizational decision where our team was at in terms of the growth of our team and it, at the development of our team that we wanted to, to look at opportunities to... to fit within the window, the uh, competitive window we were in. So we worked at it. And I know, listen, Matthew's a great young player. And we knew from the day moving 25-year-old top players is, we never wanted to move Matthew Kachuk. This was not something that, let's be very clear, that I said, you know, woke up one day and thought, let's move Matthew Kachuk. Um, Circumstances presented themselves. You deal with them as best you possibly can. He's a a top player. He's a wonderful player. Um, That's the first chapter of that. Of that trade you know jonathan mckenzie the pick you know uh, there's a prospect involved. we'll see we'll see you know time will time will dictate and and tell how all things play out but every time you're going to get you're going to have challenges every year and you just deal with them as best you possibly can
1: so that was brad on the matthew kachuk trade and rehashing it in front of the toronto markets and the key thing there obviously and I think everyone in Calgary is well aware of this, Brad, making it very clear. You never want to trade a Matthew Kachuk, but the circumstances are what they are. And he falls into a very similar trajectory now with another superstar and Austin Matthews. And Trey made it very clear at his introductory press conference today in Toronto with Brendan Shanahan at his side that Austin Matthews and getting him signed up to a new contract in Toronto is a priority for him as he takes over as the Leafs
2: GM. I obviously we know where these contracts are at. Um, Austin is is one of the elite players in the world. You know, we're not talking about a, a good player in the in the league. We're talking about elite player in the world. Um, getting getting to Austin is a priority. Um, but but outside of the contract stuff, number one is just getting to build that relationship. You know. It's not walking down and, and, and trying to arm wrestle about contracts. It's getting down and getting Austin, a chan- me getting a chance to meet him, but more importantly, having Austin get a chance to meet me, know what we're about, and, and just, just, just talk a little bit. So that's priority number one. Um, we know all the things as it relates to all the players in their contract situations um, and the timing and all the challenges ahead of us, um, but we're, we're prepared to, to, to get after it. So I'm, I'm excited to not only get a chance to meet him, um, but thrilled to to be able to work with him.
1: Like I said, Tree spoke for about 30 minutes today in front of the Toronto media. There was nothing groundbreaking. There was nothing, uh, as you'll know in Calgary, Tree doesn't negotiate in press conferences. He doesn't give details. He understands the workload. It was a very Brad Treliving-esque press conference. What I made of it was Brad Living. Not surprisingly, he seemed to be the same Bradshaw living that he was in Calgary. And that's a very calculated guy, a guy that understands, you know, what he's saying in the media and how it can be portrayed and probably understands that to a greater degree, knowing the market that he's in in Toronto and knowing how that many more microphones and cameras can impact what he says and amplify what he says to a different degree. I think he's well aware. Everybody's well aware. You don't have to be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs to know what Austin Matthews contract situation is or you know that he needs to be signed up to a new contract soon and that's going to be a priority for the team. That's that's basic NHL knowledge. So Tree wasn't breaking any boundaries today or giving us any sort of breaking news to dive off of. There were a couple of key highlights from there that we've played and ones that, you know, I think Probably resonated more with Flames fans going back to his time here in Calgary, but we'll start to see what Brad Tri-Living really means in Toronto and what his plan is for the Maple Leafs over the next couple of weeks. An interesting point that did get brought up in the press conference today and was sort of added to by Elliot Friedman from Sports and Hockey Night in Canada is the Flames have imposed a couple of draft day situation. Um, clauses to allowing Brad to sign with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, ahead of his contract ending with the Flames. One of those is that Brad cannot be at the draft table for the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NHL draft. Um, uh, There's a couple other ones that Brendan Shanahan wasn't willing to discuss uh, at the press conference today, and that's that's totally within their rights. Uh, Friedman got a hold of the one, and (laughs) it sounds like a bigger deal than it is. I, I mean the Maple Leafs have one of the most extensive uh, staffs in the NHL. I think they'd be just fine without tree at the head table during the NHL draft. And last time I checked cell phones still exist. And uh, I don't think it would be very hard for Brad, whether he's in the building or at the hotel where the team is staying to have some sort of contact with his staff as the draft is going on. So it maybe sounds silly that that's one of the things that the Calgary Flames insisted on, but um, they, they went around their rights. It sounds like it's not something that's all that uncommon uh, in these sort of situations, but yeah, he won't be at the head table for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, when they make their pick in the first round uh, of this upcoming draft. They only have one pick uh, in the first four rounds, I believe, so. Uh, not that he's got a ton of work to do when it comes to the draft process, but that is one of the implications set off by uh, the Calgary Flames as part of letting Brad uh, start his job a little bit early with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So now the Leafs have their next guy. What about the guy that left Toronto? That is, of course, Kyle Dubas. His name has been in the works around the media the last couple of days in Pittsburgh as the Penguins have put on a full-court press Trying to get Kyle Dubas to be their next GM and to take over the final years of the Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Latang era in Pittsburgh. It sounded like we were close to getting news a couple days ago, never really came to fruition. And then all of a sudden this morning, we hear something's happening with Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And not only is he joining the Penguins, but it's actually in an elevated role. It's not the GM. He is the president of hockey ops for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he would be speaking to the media earlier this morning, and that's what he did. He addressed the media with the Fenway Sports Group that uh, now, of course, owns and uh, makes the decisions for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and uh, just days after, I guess weeks after um, his departure from the Toronto Maple Leafs, he is now calling the shots, all the shots of the hockey ops department with the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, asked to go back to that press conference that he had in Toronto that clearly didn't sit well with his old boss, Brendan Shanahan. Uh, Kyle Dubas sort of talked about his emotions on that day and you know uh, how that might have affected the decision at the end of the day for the Maple Leafs to part ways with him.
3: Kyle, welcome to Pittsburgh. In your final press conference with Toronto, mm-hmm. you expressed just how difficult of a season it was sure. on you and your family. Mm-hmm. Why was this the opportunity?
4: Uh, it, it was. And I mean, maybe I was too honest that day um, with how I was feeling in, in that exact moment. Uh, so, uh, But it's in the past. Um, the way that we viewed it was when we came to the last day there so friday the 19th or i think that's the date and i have in my head Um, when we got home the next day uh, you know you get inundated with calls texts people want to come over to the house it's it's nice but it's also sad and then you uh, the way that we viewed the next day was very early the next morning i was on the phone with one of our staff there and i had a, a 617 area code call and i hung up and it was a message from sam um, who told me that uh, they had permission from Toronto? And my initial inkling was, you know, we need to take a breath here um, before we entertain other options, because that was our intention at the beginning of the week. And my wife uh, then, you know, later in the day said, I, I actually think you should go and at least meet with them, because, you know, she said it's if they're great people and they have a long-term view of the organization, it's going to be a great fit for you. Uh, in terms of what everybody is about that you're gonna work for and work with, uh, and, and the staff has a great feel, then we're gonna be moving anyway now. So our kids are gonna be six and two. Uh, Leo being be in grade one next year. Shannon's view was if we're gonna move, we may as well move now before the kids are too entrenched. And so um, that was the first step. I, I had a very long meeting um, with Tom, John, Dave, and Sam at John's home on the Sunday. Um, Which was, it was to say, from my view, it was just a remarkable meeting in terms of hearing the way that they view a sports organization, the way that they want to build things out, the short term competitiveness, but the long range uh, capacity to build uh, an organization that can sustain success. Then it was, you know, having time with with Sully and Sid to see what kind of people they were, because I mean, I I can look from afar and think I know them, but um, getting to know them was important to me uh, as we went through it. And then, um, really, the, the closer came in on, on Saturday, Sunday with Jen and Jason, with our family coming down, and they really felt extraordinarily comfortable here. And it's not a, you know, the other part of it is, is you know, on the family side, it's it's all of those boxes were checked in terms of the people that I'd be working for and with. The people in the organization that I had met were incredible, and everybody in the city that we, we interacted with was incredible. and. Um, then once uh, jen and jason uh, were great with showing us around uh, we all became very comfortable with the idea so it wasn't the intention going in but seeing that we were going to have to move anyway you never know that if you pass on this is it's an opportunity to work with these people and and for a city like this and a group like this going to be available and so we uh we jumped in today with uh, both feet So Kyle
1: Dubas takes the opportunity given to him to have a big role with the Pittsburgh Penguins and takes it. And as you heard from him there, you know, shared some emotion on that day in Toronto that maybe he wouldn't have if he got another opportunity to, but he was being real and and, uh, understood that there are, you know, consequences that come with that. And now a new opportunity for him in Pittsburgh. And obviously the Pittsburgh core consisting of Crosby, Malkin, and – Latang is at the forefront of that group, but he shared an interesting approach as to how he's going to handle the time in Pittsburgh with those players as they're getting towards the end of their career while also keeping an eye towards the future. Here's what Dubas had to say about that at his press
4: conference today. Um, Through the course of this process, I had the chance to speak with, uh, Coach Sullivan and Sidney Crosby. I thought that those were very important people for me uh, to get a real deep sense of where they felt the organization was at and where it would be going uh, so that I knew coming in uh, what uh, where they felt the Penguins were at and what they felt the Penguins would need for somebody in this role. Um, those conversations, a, a number of conversations with Coach Sullivan but uh, also the conversation with uh, with Sid were paramount in, in my decision to come here they're some of the best competitors uh, in hockey Uh, obviously uh, Mike Sullivan's record as a coach and Sydney's as a player speak for themselves and that is one of the most exciting parts about uh, about coming here to to Pittsburgh to work with uh, the people that are up with me here but also uh, every single day on the hockey operation side Um, I see this task ahead of us as a two-pronged effort Uh, in the short run it's uh, continuing to make decisions that are going to allow the team to be competitive uh, while the core group of players uh, that have led the team here to championships in the past uh, continue to uh, perform at the levels that they have for as long as they can and make decisions that will support them uh, in the lineup every night um, that will allow the team to continue to contend uh, each season while those players are with us. At the same time, the work will also begin at uh, delivering a long-term hockey organization that can be the class of the NHL Um, and to reduce any gap in time that there otherwise would be from the end of those great players' careers to the next era of great hockey for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's our intention, and that's the work that we'll get started on um, as soon as we wrap up here, Um, and we're very, very honored to be here and join the city of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So very interesting
1: answer from Kyle Dubas there. Um, one that I think set the tone for his entire press conference is we're going to try to remain competitive while we have the likes of the core. And that's obviously the Crosby, Malcolm Latangs that we talked about, but we're also going to try to make sure that we're building for the future so that there's no gap or less of a gap in between those two things happening. So when, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang find their way out of the NHL and out of the Pittsburgh organization. He doesn't want there to be a massive falloff. He wants the next group of Pittsburgh Penguins to be ready to go and to be able to take over for those. That's an incredibly optimistic take, I would say. I, I, good for Kyle Dubas. I think that that's uh, – look, you have to respect the core that's done so much in Pittsburgh. I totally understand that. I think that's an incredibly hard line to walk. If I was, if I was Kyle Dubas, I think you're taking on an awful lot saying that today that, Hey, we're still going to try to go for a Stanley cup, but we're also going to have an eye on the future. We're also going to try to, you know, make sure that there's no massive gap in between losing three of the greatest players in franchise history and the next group. It's hard to to do those things. If you're going to do that, well, you better be, you know, taking those first round picks and turning them into star players. And if you're contending, that means those picks are what 20 to 32 year after year? That's a, an awfully big task that he set in front of himself. But I think it's one that obviously, if you're the Fenway sports group, you're sitting there going, Well, yeah, that's that's the guy that we want. That's exactly that's a picture perfect world. Can he be the guy that that does that, that bridges that gap? I don't know. It sounds sounds like a very tall task to me from the outside looking in. I think we would all, in any organization, love to have an easy transition like that from star to star after guys leave like that. But I just don't know that there's ever going to be an adequate replacement in the Pittsburgh organization for the likes of Crosby and Malkin and everything that they did. Uh, that's what Kyle Dubas is going to try to do. We'll see how successful he is. Um, now that he's out of uh, Toronto and gets to make those decisions for himself as the president of hockey ops with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, so those are the two big stories today. The two big press conferences that we heard Brad living and Kyle Dubas. We'll dive more into the Dubas front now or two. Uh, Taylor Haas is going to join us. She covers the Penguins in Pittsburgh and, uh, we'll get her thoughts on that presser and what she heard from Kyle Dubas, uh, also here from Patty Dumas with a Stamps Report coming up on a game day for the Calgary Stampeders. But we're going to take a break, come back on the other side, check in with our NHL insider. It's Frank Ceravalli. Uh He's got the latest around the league, including the news on Dubas and Treliving. Uh, and he gives us an update on the Flames coaching search, which continues for new GM Craig Conroy. That's around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
0: You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: All right, Sportsnet Today rolling on. Dubis, Trilliving, Conroy, all in their new digs now. Coaching searches continue across the NHL. Still plenty of news to get you. Oh, and the Stanley Cup final. Still got to worry about that as it begins Saturday night in Las Vegas. Still have to crown a champion before we get to all the fun business in the off season, but uh, plenty to look forward to and plenty to expect now that we've gotten some answers as to who's making the calls in some of these major cities, and we'll uh, look forward to that as the off season continues, but uh, already people starting to put together puzzle pieces and uh, still questions to be asked about a lot of coaching searches, and that's where we turn to when uh, we ask our insiders the kind of questions like that, including Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. He was with Rustic and Rose a little bit earlier today and uh, obviously talking a lot about Trilliving and Dubis and uh, what's going on with them. Plus, everyone's wondering, is there a connection between Craig Conroy and Brad Trilliving that could lead to some uh, summer activity between the Leafs and Flames now, knowing how well those guys know each other? We'll get Frank's opinion on that. Plus... An update on the Flames' coaching search, which continues for Craig Conroy. Frank Starr, has always got all of that for you uh, in his hit with Ruskin Rose a little bit earlier on today. Over under, Frank. 0.5
0: trades between Brad Tree Living and Craig Conroy this summer.
3: Um. Ooh, that's a damn good question. I'm gonna say yes. over.
0: Oh, okay. Over. Yeah. Uh, Minor league trade or maybe something very intriguing. I don't know, like a (laughs) William Nylander potentially.
3: No, I don't think anything that significant. Although the only reason I said over is because just the intimate knowledge that Brad Tree Living would have of the players in Calgary. And not to say that Hmm. Craig Conroy doesn't. And and probably um, I, I would say one of the true you know, defining points and reasons why Craig Conroy is is in the position is because of that knowledge. It's just certain guys like certain players. And I wonder if there's anyone that Brad Shrewling wants to kind of take with him.
5: As far as Brad getting the job, did you think that there was anybody else that was in contention? Like once he became available, it felt like he moved to the front of the list pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, I, I don't i've been asking myself that question i reported on some of the other names that the leafs had spoken to and every time i did that i kind of received some pushback saying you know oh that was just a zoom call or that was a casual conversation or this person isn't really in the mix and so it kind of leads me to believe that not only was he the you know sort of first person interviewed and through the door but always sort of the front runner that was never knocked off the pedestal and I think the rest of it that played out was largely an information-gathering process um, to find out as much as the Leafs could, knowing that they also needed to pull the trigger.
5: And now that Brad Trulivin does have the job, there's so many questions that have to be asked about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the presser will be at 9 o'clock today. We're going to have that right here on sports at 960 for our listeners as well. But I think the biggest, well, not the biggest one, but one of the questions is with Sheldon Keefe here. What do you think happens with the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs?
3: Okay, so I'm going to make two bold predictions when it comes to Brad Tree Living's tenure
5: Um, to start. um, Frank, could I just share
0: a bold prediction with you before you do yours? Okay, sure. I I went on record today (laughs) saying that the Calgary (laughs) Flames will hire a head coach in the month of June. Of 2023. Oh, that's big. That's, that's big. <laughs> I yeah. went on record, Frank. Yeah, I'm on record. Really putting George, you out have there. a future in this business. Uh, I don't know, Frank. <laughs> that's debatable, Frank. It's a tough one. I've been so kicking two- around for 15 years. Anyway, sorry, go no, ahead. No, real predictions. Yeah, real prediction. Okay, yeah. go ahead.
3: All right, my two bold predictions are, one, Sheldon Keefe stays as Leafs mm-hmm.
0: head coach. Okay. And okay. two,
3: the core four stays intact.
0: Great, <laughs> if you're a Leafs fan. <laughs> but hey, it, well,
3: uh, it's really worked before. Let's keep everything intact
0: and together. So,
3: but I, I think there's actually a certain subset of the fan base now that's that's has perused the rosters, has looked at. You yeah. know, they've had their chance to play armchair GM, and they say, "How do we? How do we make this team better by trading one of these players?" Like, let's say someone put a gun to your head and said, "You have to trade one of these players yeah. and make the Toronto Maple Leafs better." How would you do it?
1: Well,
0: John Tavares is—you can't trade John Tavares. Nobody's nope. taking that so deal. So it's really the core. It's three-three, right? Yeah. Like I don't even—and that's what I wanted to ask you. What does a Mitch Marner trade even look like, Frank?
3: I mean, so you're—you're you're, you're probably thinking if you're going to better balance the Leafs, that you want to get a defenseman, a premier defenseman, right?
0: Yeah.
3: How and who, and then what does their contract situation look like? Because of of all the players the Leafs have outside of this one additional year of William Nylander at a really reasonable number compared to his production, he's the best contractual situation, given that he has the extra year. Mm-hmm. How do you make that work with whoever you're getting back in return? So I, I just like you could drum up any scenario that you want. You, you know, I heard people spitballing just again, looking at needs and everything else. What about the Carolina Hurricanes? Can you go after one of their defensemen? Mm. Okay, sure. Go after one of their defensemen. First off, they're not trading Jacob Slavin because I think he's the best defensive defenseman in the league. So let's say you can reason with them and you're going to take one of the guys off of their hands that's entering the final year of their deal, Brady Shea and or Brett Pesci, right? So let's just like game theory this out. So let's say you can get one of those guys. No, neither one of them is close to the equal value of of Marner. Mm-hmm. So you solved one positional woe. Who's the next piece of the trade that you're taking back? I can't find one. That makes sense.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're probably not going to give... They're you're not going to give you Seth Jarvis. Mages or Jarvis. or right. Yeah, you're not going to get someone like that. Now you're looking down the list. Evo then...
3: Taravainen doesn't make it even. Like, nope. I, I just, I, nope. I have a hard time. Like, I've done this. Like, I've literally spent hours trying to come up with a scenario ever since Brendan Shanahan or, or it was actually Kyle Dubas mentioned the idea of the Matthew Kachuk trade. I can't find a similar, I think that was a once in a in a, in a 20-year trade.
0: Frank, what's Noah Hannafin worth on the trade market?
3: I think he'd be worth a pretty significant amount. I think people look at his game and see the way that it's evolved, the layers that he's added to it, the leadership uh, responsibilities and capabilities that he's taken on, the minutes that he's chewed up, the offensive part of his game that has really blossomed. Obviously last year, a little bit of a step down from the year before, but I think someone that people look at as a really capable guy that at 26 and sub 5 million bucks is really valuable
0: who's more likely to be on the flames opening night next season Noah Hannafin or Elias Lindholm
3: Elias Lindholm
0: Mm. you think the contract's going to get done with him Craig's going to get it done once they name a head coach
3: I, I think that's the first it has to be the first order of business and I always just go back to what is the flames mission and mandate it's to be competitive it's to make the playoffs and if that's the case I just don't. I don't know how there's a path forward without Elias Lindholm. There,
0: um, we've been talking a ton, and uh, Frank Servoli joining us, uh, NHL insider, uh, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler, Big Show, Wrestling and Row Sports at nine sixty. The fan. Uh, we had our pal Julian McKenzie on from the Athletic. He had it in his mailbag. This this kind of like just one little uh, part of his story, and it just blow. It just blew up. Elias Lindholm for the third pick to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Do you think that's even in the realm of possibility? Because Aaron Portsline said that if the Jackets could actually sign Lindholm to a long-term deal and pair him with Johnny Goudreau, that's something the Jackets would potentially explore. Do you believe that?
3: Do I believe that they would explore it?
0: Do you believe that trade could actually go down?
3: I have a hard time believing it. Okay. It kind of seems like fantasy to me, but... I mean, is it outside the realm of possibility? No.
0: Is that a win-win for both teams?
3: I, I mean, I guess it goes back to what, again, what is your mandate? Mm. The, the Blue Jackets forever has been find a center. Yep. The Flames would have a wide open hole in their lineup for a few years. Is that, is that acceptable, given... The moves that you've made, given the contracts that you've signed with Kadri and Huberto and Uyghur, like, does that make any sense? And Markstrom. Doesn't really fit their window, but I guess if you're trying to do both at the same time, trying to serve two masters, the present and the future, I could see it making sense, but I just, I think that's the most dangerous line to walk in pro sports, is trying to do both at the same time.
0: Can't, can't the Flames maybe follow the the blueprint of the stars where they have guys like Ben and Sagan and Pavelski making a lot of money, and then they have young guys like Hints and Robertson maybe playing the bigger roles? Couldn't the Flames go that? Like, let's even say this hypothetical trade that comes, this Leo Carlson kid comes, he's playing with Coronado, they got Pelche, but then they have the veterans like Caudry and Huberto who aren't going anywhere here and can play a secondary role. Like, there's a blueprint there that works in Dallas. Why couldn't it work in Calgary?
3: Well, first off the the dallas stars had a once in a lifetime draft Mm. when you think about the pieces that they were able to add in one sitting in 2017 jason robertson jake ottinger miro Haskinen, all within the first 39 picks franchise changer we've never seen a draft like it ever Mm. and probably never will again like this is better than any of the halls that the Detroit Red Wings ever had. And, and most of their guys that they found were late round picks. Can you do it? Yeah, but what that involves is having bona fide superstars with those picks. Mm. Robertson has become one. Haskinen has become one. Jake Ottinger, in his own way, has, you know, these playoffs notwithstanding become that in net. And at the same time, those players took the lead, took the rope from the stars, and they transitioned in front of everyone's eyes from the Ben and Sagan team to those guys being accessories and helpful pieces when you have a year like the Renaissance. to then <laughs> now these next two years, they're going to be anchors. Tyler Sagan didn't score a goal in the conference final. hmm <laughs> Look at those contracts. They're buyout proof. Yeah. So they're in a tough spot. Like they've navigated it well. They've gone to two conference finals in the last three years or four years. They've gone to a cup final. But I asked this question the other day on my show, and I'd love to get your take on it. Are the stars, is their window opening or is it closing? Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to that. You could make the argument for both.
0: Right. I think. I think the mystique of Jake Ottinger maybe is gone a little bit, especially here in Calgary, that how great he was in the post season. Cause yeah. he was really inconsistent this run for the Dallas stars. And if he's playoff Jake Ottinger that he was last season, I don't think there's any question, Frank, that they're playing for the Stanley cup this week.
3: Agreed. And their inconsistency was the stamp of their post in general. Mm. What you'd see one game to the next was never the same thing.
0: And, Quickly, I agree. Like that, you're right. The D- yeah. Dallas Stars 2017 draft. I just want to, because I know this one. Uh, the 07 Habs draft of McDonough, Pacioretty, and Subban was pretty damn good too.
3: Pretty good, but
5: yeah, not.
3: This also involved the Stars winning the lottery too. Yeah, going yeah. from eighth to third overall to get Heiskin in. That helps. Uh, it's 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 still to nail it like that and get Jason Robertson, 47 goal scorer at pick number 39 is bonkers.
5: Yes, it certainly is. Uh, with this lull in action between the end of the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals, I started looking towards the NHL draft and how interesting is it going to be to see what St. Louis does? A team that accumulated three first-round picks and and really feels like they could move one of those out to get some immediate help as well. Because as you get down in the first round, there's good players, but are they going to be able to help you right away? Yeah, debatable. And St. Louis feels like a team that could still make maybe a crack at this thing.
3: Are you guys going to Nashville, by the way?
5: I wish. Yeah, I wish.
3: Oh man, there's there might be some bodies on the floor at the end of that. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I've been to Nashville five it's five awesome. five nights for the NHL oh, consecutively. Yeah.
0: it's a time. It's bon definitely shots. a time. Yep.
3: Um, I I so um, to answer your question. I would be, you could staple my head to the floor on July or June 30th. If the St. Louis blues pick all three times in the first round, I I reported last week that they're already working to move those latter two picks. They're looking specifically for players 25 and under that are under team control that they can fit into the same age scheme as Jordan Cairo and robert thomas and to a lesser extent tory Krug. Mm-hmm. that's where they're heading uh there this is straight out of the doug armstrong playbook from years past go back and look at the trades that he made at the deadline moving kevin shattenkirk for a first round pick and paul stasny for a first round pick both those picks that same next summer after now he's traded o'reilly and Tarasenko, Taking those picks the next summer, he flipped those into Braden Shen, who's still there. And then the next time around, he used it to get Ryan Mm O'Reilly. So those two trades set up the Blues to win the 2019 Stanley Cup. Now, this time around, he's attempting to essentially do the same thing. My, My suggestion would be to GMs that Doug Armstrong is calling, hang up the phone.
5: Because he's won these deals in the past and you're probably not going to end up walking away as a winner
3: yep
0: mm-hmm. um just real quick sidebar on um, on him doug Armstrong what, what would what, what would have been the price Frank if the Leafs tried to prime away from the blues like what's the compensation for uh, that Obviously is, stainless- it's
3: whatever you work out but I don't I, I don't think that was ever even a thing hmm. I don't know why it became something
0: <laughs> well because Toronto media throws it out there and then all of a sudden it, it turns into a thing.
3: Yeah, but like I'm just trying to think of like the most ungettable like like it's it's you could talk about whatever you want. Like I want to be uh, the president of uh, Morocco. Mm. Yeah, okay. So what, like I want to be the king of Morocco. Yeah. But mm. like okay, great. Congratulations. It's not happening. Like what like you could make, pick a place, pick a time, pick a job, pick a woman, pick whatever you want. Just because you want it doesn't mean you can speak it into existence. That's not how it works.
0: Uh, isn't that the secret that Oprah was talking about years ago? You got to put it into the universe, Frank.
3: <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> what a world we live in, like people yeah. just throw they throw bleep against the wall and they just they're like, hey, let's see if this works. Yeah. And then you, what you do is you create chaos mm-hmm. and havoc because then the blues are sitting there going, how do we get roped into this? What did we do for this?
5: I just wonder, like, if the Flames aren't able to come to terms with any one of their players in the next few weeks here, if there might be a tie there for the Flames to maybe get back in the first round.
3: Well, I think, yeah, there would be an avenue for sure. Um, I just, I have a hard time believing at this point in time, based on what I know, that the Flames are going to run into significant roadblocks. Sure. Maybe Hannafin is the one guy that mm-hmm. I I'm a little bit leery of. You know, you always think of the the American connection. You see Gaudreau and Kachuk leave, and you, you sort of wonder. But I don't like I don't I don't get any sense, at least at this moment in time, that he's unhappy or anything like that.
0: Mm. I um, wanted to ask you about the uh, coaching candidates uh, real quickly here. Out of the external ones, we're hearing names like Mark Zavard and Gerard Gallant and maybe even Alex Tange, Travis Green. Out of those names, which one's the most intriguing to you?
3: Um, probably Alex Tange, um, okay. just because of the the connection, the Jerome McGinla, Craig Conroy connection that a lot of people have mentioned already. I can give you some insight and news on Gerard Gallant. He's not coming to Calgary. Uh, They did have an an initial conversation. And I think the early sense was the Calgary Flames aren't going to be paying anywhere near the neighborhood that it would take to get someone like Gerard Gallant, especially coming off of the contract that he was on with the New York Rangers. So it kind of lends itself to what I was saying earlier um, that this job certainly seems like it's going to go to an in-house candidate. Part of it's based on cost. Part of it's based on familiarity. Um, and if not, if it is going to someone external, then it's going to be someone that, you know, doesn't have massive experience and, or isn't hell bent on getting a payday because paying Daryl Sutter 4 million bucks for each of the next two years, they're not breaking the bank on this next hire. Um, and this... if you're if you're playing that 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 s- it sounds like Mitch loves music.
5: Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. Um, we had him as a guest on the show uh, on flames Talk with Patty a little bit earlier on this week. But um, Milan Lucic, gold medalist with Team Canada at the World Championships, what do you think his future holds?
3: Ooh, um, it's a really good question, and I've thought a lot about that since he went to the Worlds. Obviously, someone that. Um, Look, the production isn't anywhere near what you needed it to be based on the contract that he was playing on. Um, That contract signed by Peter Shirelli in Edmonton was a lot more than just, hey, let's bring in a player that Shirelli's familiar with, uh, that, by the way, hit 23 goals and 50 points in his first year of the deal, um, that everyone kind of saw his game trending in the opposite direction, at least production-wise. Um, as, as someone whose body might not hold up to the rigors of the NHL, uh, at that level, given where he was at, um, that, that contract was really signed though, for a different reason. If you think back in time, they get McDavid, they need to make a statement that people want to come to Edmonton. They're have, they have a new building, a lot went into that. And, and prior to that, Edmonton wasn't a place that free agents were willing to sign. So they probably had to overpay um that said he actually became a pretty useful fourth line third line player over the last you know couple years to the point where obviously in calgary the deployment was head shaking at times that he was seeing first line action and minutes um and i i don't think that's going to happen again but i do think that for someone who has play, hasn't played has missed time due to injury, has mostly played just about every game the last number of years outside of the healthy scratches, Like I would take a flyer on Milan Lucic at the right price. All of a sudden, if, if Milan Lucic is making a million bucks, you're going, yeah, I'm on board with that. We, we just tend to view players only through the prism of their cap hit because that's how it works in today's 2023 NHL. But at a million bucks, I think he's an incredibly useful player.
0: How much value is on the fact that he's the heavyweight champ of the NHL?
3: Probably none. I mean, he's a deterrent. He's someone who will get in the mix. He plays physical. But those days are over. That
1: is Frank Cervalli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff. Joined Rustic and Rose. Earlier on the big show, Dubis Treliving. Triliving Conroy connection perhaps in the summer. Now that they're both GMs and uh, even uh, a little bit of talk there about the Flames coaching search and uh, who might still be in the running. Frank reporting that Gerard Gallant will not be the next head coach of the Calgary Flames has asked uh, too much for what the Flames are looking right now, and he still believes an internal candidate makes the most sense for this team. We will wait and see if his uh, prediction winds up being correct. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, time to kick off hour two with a Stampeders game day. And a Stamps report with uh, Patrick Duma That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.